The Insider's Guide to the Capital's Housing and Rental Scene. Hot Property on News Talks NB's Wellington Mornings. A segment we do every couple of weeks is Hot Property. Uh, our Hot Property expert, a uh, guy that's been on the show since we started the show, is Matt Ryan. He's probably one of, if not the biggest property, uh, residential property owner in Wellington. Uh, and he has predicted such things as it's going to rain the odd day in Wellington and the fact that house prices were going to drop by 20% a year ago, and he's been on the money. Good morning, Matt. Oh, good morning, Nick. I appreciate that introduction. I'm actually uh, I'm sitting in Takapuna in sunny Auckland today. Well, don't have to be, uh, I was going to say something that sounded like a banker, but I won't. Um, Taranaki Home, described as the epitome of luxury, has set a new record in the region after selling for more than its asking price of $5.45 million. Are you there, Matt? I am, yes. Can, you, can certain luxury homes almost operate their own kind of market? I know you're going to say yes. Oh, well, look, I guess the premium and the super premium end of the market has always been and will continue to be an interesting one. There's never going to be enough properties built uh, to these specifications to meet the demand. So you'll find that many of these properties trade off market, which is where they're, they're just quiet listings, and the people that have the money will seek out these types of homes. And they're normally hotly contested if they do become um, publicly available. Like, like like any market, there's ups and downs. We saw some of these properties take a significant hit in the GFC when there was, um, you know, financial turmoil. But what we're finding in this market is that there are plenty of people that have still got money out there and they're looking for uh, desirable homes to, to live in and operate their businesses from. So they are referred to as trophy homes and they tend to walk on water in terms of um, um, compared to a lot of the, uh, the basic homes. And I can't see that changing in the short term. Matthew, I'm sure you would have uh, seen this article, 0800 80 10 80. If you'd like to ask Matt a question, anything to do with property, finance, anything, any part of property, Matt is definitely an expert. Uh, 0800 80 10 80. Or if you're a bit shy and don't want to talk to Matt, I understand that. 92 92 is a text if you'd like to ask a question. This morning's Herald, there's a story that the Real Estate Institute data today is showing that house prices, listen to this, Matthew, fell $322 a day in the last month. Is that correct? Well, I, you know, it would take me a little bit to analyse that exact number, but I would say that the reality on the street is it's actually worse than those statistics are showing that I'm seeing time and time again. I've got a good friend of mine in Wellington that um, has sold a lot in Wainui Amata, and he's built a lot in Wainui Amata, and last night he rang me to say that he's just sold a property that um, had sold unconditionally last year, so he's done a development on it, and it was subject to getting title. The, the owners from last year, well, the people that he sold to last year, had paid 850000 but they invoked a sunset clause because he was unable to complete it within the time that had been stipulated in the contract. He's had it on the market for quite some period of time, and it's just now resold. Well, it's under offer at 700000 So there's a, there's a great example where he sold something, I think, about this time or maybe July last year. It was unable to, to build it due to shortage of uh, uh, product, and those people escaped the clause um, simply because they were allowed to do so. And then he's been struggling to replicate that buyer anywhere near 
the money that it sold for last year. So th- those numbers don't surprise me. Would uh, would 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 it have been cheeky for those people to turn around and buy it again for one hundred and fifty thousand less? Well, it's always interesting because every time you hear a developer do this, where they where this yes. sun, they invoke a sunset clause, of course the market tends to get up in arms and say that's an unethical thing to do and you shouldn't do it. And in many ways, I actually agree with that. And yet, of course, it works both ways. Where when the market drops, he's actually lost three sales now or three properties in a row that um, all sold for significantly more than last year, and every all the three buyers all walked away from the contract because they realised that they could buy better now. Yeah, 150000 Would the developer have lost on that deal? Well, I don't think so. I think he had pretty good margins on that, but it just shows you what it illustrates is that you're, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult times and it's, you can't rely on the, the numbers that we saw a year ago. They were, uh, you know, in hindsight, they just weren't, it wasn't a sustainable model and we've, we're sort of moving back to more what I think is going to be a more sustainable model coming up. Okay. Renters United have cried foul about a small granny flat in central Wellington advertised for $355 a week. Can landlords really ask for whatever they like uh, or there, are there some rules in there? And that's not your place that they're trying to sell, are they? They rent for no, three no, it's, no, no, it's not my place. They're trying to rent. <laughs> Although, I, I, look, I, I'll be honest, Nick, I get really frustrated by some of this, what I'd call low rent articles about this sort of stuff because – you know, there are no rules per se as to what someone can advertise a fr- property for, but ultimately the market will decide if there is value in that product for a given price. And it sort of reminds me of some of those things that you see in an article where someone's either rung the newspaper or rung up and complained about the price of a, of a head of, of cabbage, um, and they make a big uh, deal of it. I mean, the simple answer is to vote with your feet. You know, if you take the cabbage, for example, you don't buy the product and the, and the seller has two choices. They either don't sell or they reduce the price. So, you know, landlords, we don't set, we don't set the value. A landlord doesn't set the value for, for rental. It's set by what the demand of renters are. And what I can tell you is in the last nine months, in the last nine months... The yeah, the fa- of- yeah, the phone's going off, Matt. Well, it's actually, no, I'm just sitting in a friend's car, but um, in the last nine months, the rental market has dropped significantly, um, and in some instances, I'd say 20 or 30%. So, you know, there's a lot better value now for renters, but you can't you can't blame landlords for the value of where property sits. It's just it's just not the way it is. Um, and it's I think it's unfair, particularly with the amount of um, extra costs that have been burdened on 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 uh, landlords of recent times, plus all those changes in tax deductibility as well. I think it's a pretty harsh call to say that landlords are dictating where the market is. It's actually it's always dictate, dictated by the people that are that are purchasing, not the people that are that are, um, are selling or, or renting. Matt, so I'm hearing I'm hearing through my grapevine that open homes have been a reasonably quiet lately. Not a lot of numbers turning up. Has anything changed lately? Well, look, I think maybe we you know start of spring are traditionally a a time when um, people start looking again. I'm hearing anecdotally that from real estate agents that um, that open day numbers are starting to improve. They were pretty dire in the middle of winter, um, and we're probably still, you know, in early days. But there are some some good, um, uh, I guess, early signs that the market may be starting to stabilise a little bit. It'll just be interesting to see where interest rates go. And, and, and the sentiment of the nation coming up. Just quickly, Matthew, I'm reading that some uh, homeowners could pocket up to $1,500 a night by renting their homes out this summer. How beneficial can be investing in a holiday home that you rent out sometimes and live in sometimes? Can, it, can you make some money out of this? 
Well, I've got very firm views on this. I've had a lot of people come to me and try and convince me that at the Airbnb model is an amazing way to make money. I, I've, I staunchly uh, disagree. I don't think it's a great way to make money. The only time I've ever seen Airbnb work is when you've got a holiday home that you want to use part-time for yourself, and therefore you don't have the ability to rent it out full-time, and so you're... you're you, you have to rent it out. If you're going to rent it out at all, you have to rent it out for the time that you're not using it. Every time someone's come to me nice. and said that they rent something out full-time as Airbnb, what they tend to show me, a bit like somebody who's gambling on horses, they tell you about how they got a Christmas booking for $1,200 a night for three weeks. But what they won't tell you is it sat vacant for the whole winter months for maybe three or four months, and they didn't get a solitary booking. So my experience has been if you can rent something out full-time, uh, and, and that person occupies it for the entire year, you will almost always do better than you will in a part-time scenario, with the exclusion being if you want to use it yourself, and therefore clearly you can't rent it out full-time. Matthew Ryan, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for your information, your expert information.